Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Red Sox Deep Dives. Tonight we're going to be doing a little bit more uh, of Chris Sale talk. What are some timelines? How cautious should the Red Sox be given the rash of uh, injuries across the league? Also, we'll dive into Brandon Workman, who is making strides down in Worcester. Uh, Ryan Brazier could be uh, appearing in a rehab game within the next week or so. Some roster moves will have to happen to make room because they're not on the 40-man. We will dive into that. And then we will wrap up the show by talking about Marwin Gonzalez, Christian Arroyo. Which one is under the most pressure? And it's very likely that at least one of them won't be here by August, September as prospects get called up. So lots to get into. Joe Goddard, Andrew Dwan, back for this episode. How are you guys? What's going on? Good, good. I'm doing great. Doing great. As as we speak, the Red Sox are in rain delay. So I'm hoping that game wrapped up before midnight. But uh, it's good to get at least part of the show underway. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, up 7-4 to four during that rain delay, too, because Devers has just been an absolute monster. But we'll get into that. Actually, by the time the audience hears this episode, we'll have already gotten into that. So let's get into Chris Sale. Um, there was some talk today that perhaps a... Maybe a late July start. I think some of us got under the impression uh, in recent days that it could be earlier uh, in July. So a little bit more clarity today on what his status actually is. Um, Noah Syndergaard, though, had Tommy John right around the same time as Chris Sale. There's been uh, other injuries across the league. So uh, let's lead off with Andrew what what are your thoughts how the dominoes are falling in regards to Chris Sale's timeline? I, as far as I'm concerned, if we don't see him till August, I'm totally okay with it. You know he's definitely pushing as hard as he possibly can. It's his whole mentality. Um, but they have to protect him for himself. We've just seen so many injuries so far with all these pitchers, Tommy John and other weird weird injuries pop up like we've seen DeGrom go down with a lat strain or a side strain Taiwan Walker go down with something similar got a New York trend going here um obviously Syndergaard leaving after one inning of a f- scheduled like four inning start last night uh, there's there's too much on the line to risk him it's not like their chips are all in the center of the table this season so we unless you know it's a giant three-way um within one game of each other race here i don't see why we have to start you know putting the pedal to the metal and having them ramp up throwing bullpens tomorrow you know Uh, i just want to see him get back on the mound if it's a middle relief role that's fine with me whatever we can do to preserve him for the playoffs and next year i think that's the right plan Joe, 
Well, Andrew, Andrew kind of touched on it. I think Chris Hale's timeline has really been brought to the fore right now because Syndergaard uh, was cracked yesterday. And then on top of that, Chris Hale threw 15 pitches uh, yesterday off the mound for the first time and put out a statement about how it feels great to be a pitcher again. So people are really asking about it. I think we're looking more at like an August 1st uh, kind of start timeline for Chris Sale. And that doesn't mean we're going to see Chris Sale, the workhorse, come August 1st. I think we probably don't see him in a starting role until much later in August or even into early September. We probably see him in more of like a a bullpen capacity. You know, he comes in in the seventh or eighth inning, faces the heart of the lineup, then passes it off to Barnes, gives you that bridge early. Um, and or... You know, we do the raise thing, which we know that Hein Bloom is comfortable with, in which you have a, a starter and then a you know, a bridge guy that goes three innings in the middle of the game that you pass off to the bullpen. Um, I think that's also possible. But I am in no rush uh Chris Dale right now. One tidbit that I, I pulled out from uh, Tony Maserati, actually, is that the 2004 Red Sox were the only team the Red Sox have had that did not missed a scheduled start due to injury in like the modern era and then go on to win the World Series. But every single time the division winner in the American League East, like 17 of 20 times in the last 20 years, it's whoever had the most scheduled start from their projected starting five at the start of the year. So I just want everybody to stay healthy. And if that means we, Chris Dale takes it slow and we wait for him until mid-August, I'm okay with that too. Outside of Eduardo Rodriguez, the rotation's been fine. Very serviceable at times, excellent, and at a minimum, giving us a chance to win every time out. So right now, the Red Sox can afford to wait for Sale to come back. There's not a ton of urgency there. As far as what Andrew said, Sale could be in a way, a danger to himself. You know, he's a gamer. He's intense. He he could, he could overexert himself. That's the only thing I'm concerned with. When you look at the, the unique circumstances of the last 12, 14 months, it's really the pitchers currently active that are in uncharted waters because Chris Sale's Tommy John is no different from any other Tommy John that ever happened at the start of spring training. You know, he had it last March, shut down for most of the year. I think he started light exercises around December or so, worked up to long toss. Now he's throwing off a mound. So I don't think there's anything unique about his Tommy John specifically. With the guys in the rotation now that are pitching, I mean, they've had three spring trainings in the last, you know, year plus, and a shortened season, August, September, and now we're we're two months into this season, so this is basically the August and September of, of last year that that we're we're at now. So, um. I'm not overly concerned with Chris Sale as long as he's being smart and listening to trainers and everybody that's working with him through his rehab. I think we all want him back as soon as possible. But 
Um, if it ends up being late July, so be it. If Job's correct that maybe he gets eased in out of the bullpen to start, maybe that's an extension of the rehab uh, starts in the minors, that's fine too. But um, we got an intense division race, so um, hopefully hopefully he is starting games no later than September. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and I do think there will be some pressure on him come July to come back. Probably not organizationally, but from fans, because you just look around the league, they're due for a pitcher pitching injury. We've seen their minors just get absolutely decimated. Hauk just throwing again, Seabold still rehabbing, uh, Thaddeus Ward done for the year likely, uh, Bizarro probably done for the year. Um, so they don't have that depth. So if one of these guys goes down and a guy like Matty Andres is uh, getting stretched out, throwing every four days, or hell, even a Kyle Hart comes up because he's actually performing in, uh, in Worcester right now, but you probably give people PTSD, you, you know, pe- people are going to start complaining and be like, oh, well, you know, Chris Sale had his surgery last March 19th. It's been 54, well, come July, it'd be 15 months, 16 months. So. I just hope that they tune, they tune out the noise and let him go at what his body tells him and what the doctors tell him. Real quick on Bizardo, I thought he only had a lat strain, which is typically a two- or three-week injury. Yeah, they said three, but I'm telling you, the way he, when he released that and his arm was, like, dangling, the ball went high, Maybe I don't know. I I didn't feel great about it. I hope it's only three weeks. I had high hopes of Bizarro coming in this year. Okay. Well, officially for the moment, you know, it's a it's a few weeks. So we'll we'll see if it if it does get extended. It didn't look good. I I agree with you on that. Um. All right. So we'll continue to monitor the sale situation through a fifteen pitch bullpen today. So is this the hardest? like the most intense day of his rehab so far, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely 15 pitches off the mound. The first time he's thrown off the mound since the surgery is, is a big step for him. And I think, you know, to kind of alleviate some of those concerns, Terry, if it was up to him, I think he probably would have done that last month. He probably would be about (laughs) a month ahead of where the Red Sox pitching staff has him in his rehab process. And then we might be looking at like a center guard kind of situation, which would be a disaster for the Sox. If you don't get, you know, sail back until late September, then you're in real trouble because you know that Hein Bloom's not going to go get you a workhorse starter like a Max Scherzer, for example, at the deadline. That's just not going to happen. That would be shooting for the moon, I think, given the the financial, you know, parameters. But and I don't think the Nationals are out of it yet. Like that's. That's a the NL East is a mess right now. It's a bloodbath. It is an absolute bloodbath. I mean, there's o- no teams out of it that have any starters that would be available at this point, which kind of sucks. And at this point, you know the Yankees are going to be throwing all the chips in there for uh, whatever starter comes available. So if Scherzer did pop up, you know Cashman is feeling all the pressure in the world to give up whatever he needs to do. He can't. They can't miss the playoffs. Yeah, they Doug, will. They will. Doug and I are going to do a deep dive on bastards. Investigate on the Yankees' uh, rotation. Uh, Kluber out for for four weeks at least, and I, I suspect it'll probably be longer. And, and it might not even be the 
the first DL yeah they said stint. eight oh eight now? it has to match yeah oh. it's um with that injury it's however long it was something like you do the four weeks and you have to match the next four as well so he's out for eight weeks oh yeah well I, th- you're right actually he can't throw at all for four weeks i think is what i said mm-hmm. yeah okay right yeah so uh yeah so that's uh Interesting, but we'll we'll get into that on the bastards investigate. Um, all right, so let's switch to the bullpen right now. It's up and down. Ottavino's been okay lately in the eighth, uh, but it's it's an uncomfortable roller coaster ride. Salamora up and down. It's as currently constituted, you'd like to see some more stability. And we got Brandon Workman back. And per reports today, uh, his curveball is looking really good. He's commanding it very well down in Worcester. And Ryan Brazier is going to do a rehab stint here pretty quick. And and relievers come back a lot faster than starters. You know, it could conceivably just be a few appearances Boom, back in the rotation. So I guess how are you guys feeling with them coming back? Like, do we have the solutions in place once these guys do return? I I don't even know what to expect out of Brazier. It's so weird. He's been out of the fold for so long. It's just I I don't know what his velocity is gonna look like. I don't know if he did any damage to that finger permanently when he stood up. Um, it's such an unknown. I can't wait till we get some reports out there. Um, I guess it would probably just be their spring training facility. What he was throwing against their minor league hitters. I hope he's his velocity is sitting in upper nineties. That'd be that'd be a really good arm to um to add to that. And one guy that <clears throat> I got to give him credit because I hate him, and it's Josh Taylor. He's becoming <laughs> more of a, you know he's he's really bounced back to where he was pre-COVID, which I think we could probably, you know, blame for his struggles and his lack of velocity. I think it took a lot out of him, and he seems to be getting that back, and he's somewhat trustworthy now. It's not like, all right, well, down six. Who do you want to throw in, Bryce or Taylor? No, you know, he's in the circle of trust. Taylor hasn't given up a single run in the month of May, and we're a few days from June, so it's been a, a good run for him. And I, I'm the resident Josh Taylor apologist on this podcast. So, and I, I've always pointed out he's a slow starter out of the gates, and this year it was a much slower start than than even previously. So, it's good to see him, and and he had a longer leash, obviously, because he's a lefty, and the other lefty is starting to you know, come into form as well. Darwin's in. So that's nice to see. Uh, As far as Brazier goes, I'm willing to take the rehab appearances at face value. If the velocity's up, he's punching tickets. That's good enough for me. I don't think he's going right into the eighth inning, but Joe, what are your thoughts? Well, so my thoughts on Brazier are, we don't know what we're going to get. I think he's a total wild card at this point in his career. We've seen him be absolutely dominant. We've also seen him walk four straight hitters on multiple, you know, outings where he just does not have it. Uh, where I'm really interested is to see if, if Workman can put it together. I know down in Worcester he's working on his cutter. Or the latest reports, his curveball looks great, like you mentioned, Terry. But that he only was using his cutter 7% of the time early in this season. 
because he didn't have a feel for it. And that's where he was getting shelled before he got released. Uh, um, is that he was not using his cutter, which in his season where he was so dominant in Boston, 2019, his last one, uh, he used it about 44% of the time. So if you think about that, he lost confidence in one of his biggest pitches and stopped throwing it and started getting shelled. So if they can rebuild that confidence in Worcester, I have much more confidence in Brandon Workman coming back being a factor than Ryan Brazier. Now, that being said, you have to find room for him on the 40-man, which we know is going to be a juggling act. Um, but if you can find him a spot and he can come pitch the eighth inning, then you're looking at, I think, a really strong back end of the bullpen, assuming Josh Taylor that we're seeing in the month of May is closer to the Josh Taylor that we're going to see the rest of the season than the one we saw in April. And with Taylor, hopefully he's just at a minimum a serviceable lefty. But with Brazier and Workman coming back, neither one are on the 40-man. So more room will have to be made. We just saw um, Austin Bryce get DFA'd to make room for Santana. So other moves will have to be made. Uh, Andrew, this is your wheelhouse. What do you expect as far as uh, guys to be DFA'd? <clears throat> I and you know I think it starts with Brandon Brandon Brennan. He was brought in really late. Uh, you know, it was just one of those he got released. Let's take a shot at him, guys. So I think he's the first one. Obviously, they haven't called him up. I don't even know what he's done in Worcester, to be honest with you. Um, can't be remarkable because no one's talking about him. Another guy is Colton Brewer. It's not like he's that young. He's twenty eight. He wasn't great last year. Uh, those are the two most obvious guys you're getting. They don't have a lot of 40-man uh, major league depth. Uh, they have an ungodly amount of 40-man 40 guy, 40 guys injured. I mean, you got Wong. You have your top two minor league starters. You have Bizarro. You have Hudson Potts. All these guys are on the injured list. So, yeah, it's slim pickings, and I don't think they want to try to sneak someone through the 40 that they don't feel great in, um, you know, taking that risk for. So I think maybe Brewer gets called up to see if he's got anything just for, like, you know, a game or two. And if he doesn't, sorry, but I, I'm pretty sure that's a guy that would sneak through waivers. Uh, Bryce uh, cleared waivers as well and then was outrighted. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Job, any thoughts on who you'd like to see? Uh, well, you know, Andrew kind of mentioned it. We don't have a lot of major league depth on the 40-man. What we do have on the 40-man is a lot of prospects who could be major league ready at some point, either this season or, you know, at the very least, the start of next season and we'll be up for a September call-up. So... We have a lot of guys that are progressing in the system. The system is starting to get a little top-heavy, so I wouldn't be surprised to see some, some minor league deals uh, from Hein Bloom. Maybe kind of stock up the single-A, double-A kind of uh, prospect pool by maybe moving a, a player from the 40-man roster like a Colton Brewer. If, you know, If he comes up and has something, maybe he doesn't stick around because you want the 40-man roster spot anyway, and you move him for a low-tier prospect to some other organization. I think it's quite possible that that Heim Bloom sees that as a definite possibility. I've got Brand, uh, Colton Brewer's numbers up here so far in Worcester, and it's not great. 
He's made four appearances, each one for a full inning, and he's given up one earned run in each of his four appearances. The May 16th appearance, he walked two, walked one more on May 21st. So I don't know if this guy's going to see the light of day as far as the major league roster goes and, and could very well be the first domino to fall. Yeah, that's called going full brace, and you never want to go full brace. So, sorry, Colton. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I'm not familiar with Brandon Brennan. Where does he come from again? If Off the top know. of my head, I feel like Seattle released him. Oh, that's right. That was just a few weeks was that ago, it? I think. Okay. Yeah, that is Yeah, it was like from. one of those weird moves. It's like, oh, they signed him. Uh, all right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Okay, so he comes from Seattle, but... That's just going to be... And he be... was not good in Seattle either. Okay. Uh, in, in all honesty, looking looking at his, his numbers right now in front of me, um, let me just read you guys this most recent one. So he did pitch in five games in 2020 to a 3-6-8 ERA. <laughs> um, but in 2019, he pitched in 44 games. He had a 4-6 ERA. And that's pretty much where he's at for his career. He's at a 4-5. So it's not like he's someone you can really look for to develop the front end of the rotation calendar, or even front end of the bullpen, he's more of a, um, you know, a building block or a long relief guy at most. Yeah, it looks like he also has four appearances this year in Worcester. Hasn't given up a run, which is good. But, oh, another guy um, is the kid. Wow, damn, it's drawn. Caleb Ort, uh, the minor league rule five pick from the Yankees this year, is just crushing. He is just shoving in the minors right now. He's going to be up this year, and his stuff is electric. And he's a reliever. He is a reliever, yeah, and okay. he's. I think he's Worcester's closer at this point. Okay, he is, and he is every bit as good as we all thought he would be. In fact, better. Uh, we thought that Garrett Woodlock was the prize of that Rule Five draft, but it may end up being that Ort is better. He could be an absolute stud for a long time in this league. So he, he's someone I would keep an eye on, but I don't, I don't know. Andrew has a better handle on it than I do, but I didn't expect to hear his name being called until September call up at the very early. Well, I, yeah, the minor league rule five guys never hit. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's just shuffling uh, the chairs on the Titanic. But Tyreek Reed is another guy that they took from, I think it was Texas and he's hidden like 500 foot home. He's just one of those all or nothing guys. So who knows if they might have, uh, you know, struck gold there. And Whitlock, though, will eventually be starting. So I, I think his mm-hmm. his value could still, uh, you know, oh, Whitlock's be, value is super high. Be greater, He's probably yeah. their best starting pitcher pitching prospect at this point. You think so? Over Hauk and all them? I think so. I mean he's got more pitches than any of them. I don't know. I I, I think his helium is just, as just absolutely blown up. I don't maybe uh, see bold, but I hope you're right. I kind of I kind of agree with Andrew, and my reasoning is he's shown you he could do it at the big league level as a reliever, and he's just coming off of Tommy John. He's only going to get better as he gets more stretched out and more comfortable with especially that change-up, which he learned from Matt Andrees that he's only just really using now. Uh, as he gets more comfortable with his pitch arsenal, he's going to be dominant. And as he grows into that, I, I think his value is never going to be higher than it is at the end of this season. So I could see him potentially being moved even. Wow. Um, 
Well, we'll see. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's wrap with Marwin Gonzalez, Christian Arroyo. Arroyo's back tonight. I, I think he's zero for two in the game so far out of the nine hole. Which he is with a strikeout. Which one of them has the higher upside? Would you say offensively? Offensively, probably Arroyo. Um, Marwin's bat just hasn't gone going, but he might be their best overall defender at each position. It's kind of funny. You, wherever you put him, he makes one web gem each game. So it's hard to like, you know, hand him his walking papers when he's invaluable when it comes down. Uh oh, did we lose May or did we lose? <laughs> I, I think Marwin Gonzalez has a lower ceiling than Arroyo does, but his floor is also, I think, much higher than Arroyo's. Arroyo could bust still potentially at this point in his career. We know that Marwin Gonzalez can hit 200 and play stellar defense. Uh, and if he knows what pitch is coming, he can hit 350. So maybe Alex Porter's got something up his sleeve, but no. You guys can hear me okay or no? Can't hear me. All right. Um, so... Shocker, another technical. Um, I'm just going to go on and say that I think I think Marwin is, is the more valuable guy. I think Arroyo, the th- big thing to me with Arroyo is that the guy can't stay healthy. He keeps getting, d- well, traded or DFA'd or released or non-tendered from different teams because he can't stay on the field. And we're already seeing that with the Red Sox. So to me, even though the the offensive upside is with the Royal right now, I think the pressure's on him to keep his spot. Marwin, they're just going to move him around like Job was just saying. I think... I think Cora, just their existing relationship from Houston, I think is going to keep Marwin here. And that bat can heat up. Maybe he just comes off the bench a little less uh, as some prospects get called up. But, um, but yeah, so we'll see. I, I really expect uh, Marwin to stick around because Arroyo is basically primarily just a second baseman. They haven't really tinkered with moving him to other positions. I he, Maybe he might have played shortstop once this year. I'm not sure. So, um, so w- we'll see how it goes. But now that Arroyo's back, I, I think he better he better perform because... Eventually, Duran's coming up, and and Red Sox are going to have a tough decision to make as far as their 26-man roster. So we will wrap with that. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we will be back, uh, Doug, James, and I, to do the Bastards Investigate, which is our MLB-wide weekly show. Hope you guys are enjoying that, and we'll uh, talk to you then. Take care.